This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Yidikar, where we are dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's sermons and talks, just the good stuff. We hope you'll enjoy. Thank you for your support. All right, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. I, um, I wrote my college thesis, my undergrad thesis on the Unabomber. Remember the Unabomber? Ted Kaczynski. It was Unabomber because that was like an acronym for universities and airports. He, he, he sent um, bombs to universities and airports, 16 bombings over a period of 17 years. And um, he injured 23 people and, and killed three people and, and provided the FBI with, with one of the longest and most challenging cases in, in its history. He was caught in 1996 in a, in a ramshackle shack in, in Lincoln, Montana. And he was caught because he demanded the publication of his manifesto in the New York Times and the Washington Post. And, um, and Janet Reno at the time said, do it, do it, put, it put, put the manifesto in the paper. Maybe somebody will recognize the writing. And, and that someone turned out to be his brother who recognized the style of his writing. Um, and he is an old man and in, in jail today. Um, what was this manifesto? What, did he, what was he so desperate to get the world to read? It was called Industrial Society and Its Future. And he basically argued that, that the violence that, that he was that carrying out was necessary in order to wake people up, to attract people's attention to the erosion of human freedom and dignity by modern technologies. This is, this, is, this, is, uh, part, this is what he says in the manifesto. The continued development of technology will worsen the situation. It will certainly subject human beings to greater indignities and inflict greater damage on the natural world. It will probably lead to greater social disruption and psychological suffering, and it may lead to increased physical suffering, even in advanced countries. Through our bombings, he said, we hope to promote social instability in industrial society, propagate anti-industrial ideas, and give encouragement to those who hate the industrial system. I, I, I pointed out in my, in my thesis that there was something deeply ironic about the fact that this man was using the explosive technologies in, of the industrial age in order to make his case against the industrial age. Um, but he was, he was an anarchist, he called himself an anarchist, he calls himself an anti-industrialist, but there's another word for Ted Kaczynski's philosophy, which is that he was a Luddite. He was a Luddite, which is that on some basic level, he shares a philosophy with others who are anti-technology, who believe that technological development is, is, is ruining human society and that we ought to try to get back to some more primitive ideal state of being closer to nature. Now, that is a philosophy which, which you know, most do not carry to such an extreme, but which is shared by, by many people and, and sometimes by, by spiritual traditions, get back to nature and a suspicion of technology. Judaism is not anti-technology. Uh, Judaism, I don't think, has ever been anti-technology in, in a defined way. I have um, a Hasidic uh, family member who uh, told me a story that uh, so he was talking to a business partner and someone said, you know, I can, I can never you Hasidim, I can never tell the difference between you and the Amish. You know, both got the long beards and the, and the old style clothes. And he said, oh, look for the cell phone. Look for the cell phone. You'll always see the, the Hasidim wear a cell phone right on their belt, right? So, in, so yes, there's reasons for, for, the, for the beard and the clothes, but, 
But even Hasidim, even the most sort of tra tra throw throwback traditional Jews are not afraid of technology. We're not afraid of technology in this tradition. But we have ways of containing it. We have ways of containing it. And the primary way that we contain technology in this tradition is with this today, Shabbat, Shabbat. And this week's Parsha, Vayakel, is the place where we begin to define that technological containment. And Leah spoke about this earlier. The, the, the Sabbath has traditionally been observed by not engaging in 39 melachot, 39 prohibited labors. And we learn about those 39 prohibited labors from the building of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle. And that's because, as Leah also said, this Parsha opens with Shabbat. Moses gathers the people together via kale, and then immediately Moses tells them about Shabbat, six days you shall work and do all your labor, and on the seventh day you shall rest, and then Mo Moses starts talking about the tabernacle. And so our rabbis learned that juxtaposition, Shabbat and then the tabernacle, both of which use the language of work and, and, and milacha, that teaches us that whatever work was needed to be done to build the tabernacle, that's the kind of work that we don't do on Shabbat. And it is actually, it's technology language, even in the Torah, the language that we use for, for that, for the work that is prohibited on Shabbat is melechet machshevet, thoughtful work, brain work, thinking, designing work. That's, that's the, in fact, that, that very language is the language that was adopted by the, uh, the Academy of Hebrew Language, and they were looking for a word for the computer, machshev, right? So, so technology, we avoid technology on Shabbat. That, that is one of the ways that our people has addressed these, the, 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 the question of, of, the, of the place of technology in our lives. And it doesn't end there. It's not just that there's a day off, but there are, there, the, that day is an exception to the week, and then there are exceptions to that day. There are all kinds of reasons to use technology on Shabbat, the most famous being pikuach nefesh, to save a life, pikuach nefesh docheh Shabbat. You can always break Shabbat in order to save, in order to save life. This is not the first time I've spoken about this at Ikar. I, I, I spoke about this connection uh, that, that, that Parshat Vayakhel makes between the, the, the tabernacle and Shabbat. I spoke about it uh, on March 2nd, 2019, three years ago, right? And then later that month, the pandemic took over our lives. And technology took over our lives in a new way. And we think of ourselves as living in a deeply technologically defined age, but these last three years have, have, have brought a new kind of relationship to, to technology. Right? Soon enough, our lives were all on screens, meetings and classes and who's been to a birthday party online? I have now, right? A lot of us have. Um, things, we, we gathered together online and I started doing things online I never would have imagined, birthday parties, but also teaching Torah. I teach a lot of classes online now. I, I, used to, I, I used to be asked, oh, would you give a class online? What do you think about online learning? And I would just turn my nose up at it. Nah, that's not real learning. I don't want to do that. Now it, it became a lifeline for me during the pandemic. And now I, I don't ever want to stop. I always want to be teaching classes online. So, so the pandemic has changed us. It's changed our relationship to technology. And where are we in this pandemic? Is it, is it coming to an end or, or are we just waiting for a new wave? Is it just an endemic now? Is this our, our reality? 
I don't know, but wherever we are, it is a good time to start asking the question, what do we do when all this ends? What do we do with these, technolo these technologies that we've relied so heavily on when all this ends? What has changed for the good? And what do we wanna make sure doesn't change for the good? Because we've learned a lot about how to use technology, but we've also learned a lot about what it's like to be alone, to be isolated and how, how desperately we need to be with one another, to be in, in each other's presence. And that is a part of what Shabbat is all about. We learn that from the language of the Parsha as well. Vayakel, the first thing Moses does is gather the people together. And, and the, the Baal Haturim makes that connection. Oh, Moses gathered the people together. He says, this is a, this is a hint. It's a hint that he gathered to them together because you gather people together on Shabbat so that they can hear the drashah. The Balaturium says he was a rabbi like me. So he was thinking that this moment is, is the reason that you all gathered together. But this isn't the reason that you all gathered together. You gathered together because it's good to be together. And we have a day that we try to detach from the technological world so we can just be in each other's presence. Gathering is fundamental to our people. We sometimes refer to ourselves as a kahal or a kahila. Translate that as a congregation, but it's a gathering. The, the Kahal Yisrael, the gathering of Israel. That language is, is, is at the head of this week's Parsha, and it comes up again and again in our tradition. In fact, the, maybe the most famous usage of that language, gathering, is for the great ceremony of Hakel, same, Vayakel Hakel. And that was a ceremony that, of gathering once every seven years, all the people of Israel would gather and they would read the entire Torah. All of the, and the Torah is very specific. Hakel et ha'am, hanashim v'anashim v'ataf, everybody, the men and the women and the children, everybody should be gathered together to hear the Torah. To, be, to hear the Torah, to really experience the Torah, you had to be there. You had to be there in person. To get Torah, you have to be there in person. I, I used to think that too. I used to think that too. And now, now I don't know. Now I hope that the Torah that comes, comes out of my classes online also feels like like a sacred gathering, like a hakel. And, and you know, my mom has started coming to my classes. My mom is, is deaf. I was never able to come to my classes before. Couldn't find an interpreter who could do simultaneous translating of Hebrew and Torah. And, uh, and now my mom comes to my classes because Zoom has a feature where the, it automatically captions the lesson. And I'm learning Torah with my mother. That's one of the things that's happened for me over these last three years due to technology. So thank God for technology. Thank God for technology. But how, but how do we use it? And when do we use it? And how do we contain it? How do we make sure that it connects us and doesn't disconnect us? That it expands us and doesn't limit us? That it doesn't get in the way of, of this other fundamental value that we have in our tradition, which is just to be together, to gather together, to hold that value of gathering together. That's language you, you find all over our, our, our cultural conversation. There's a, a book that Jess uh, lent me, The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker, right? There's a project that two um, Harvard Divinity students started um, reflecting on the, 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 the crumbling of, of, of many of our faith institutions and, and, and what will replace those, those institutions. And the name of their project was How We Gather. How do we gather? How do we gather and does technology help us gather or does it obstruct our gathering? How do we use technology? 
When do we use technology? We ought to ask these questions, and this is a good time to ask these questions. As we try to move forward, let's not just stumble back into our lives. Let's not just shuffle back into our, our normal lives. Let's, let's try to bring some of the wisdom that we have gained over these last three years into this new chapter of our lives. Right? Let's, let's try to make sure that we return back to the things that were precious to us before all of this and carry with us the, th the new precious things that we've learned. We have to ask these questions. We have to be a technologically reflective people. And we always have been. We always have been. I don't know the answers to these questions, but I know that my people has been asking questions about how we relate to technology for millennia. What is our relationship to technology? That's not a modern question. That's an ancient question. That's a Jewish question. That's a Shabbat question. So let's, let's open up the Torah and begin to have the conversation and see how, see how the Torah addresses this question. Let's open up the Talmud and see how they address these questions. And then let's look around at this world we live in, this new world that we live in, and try to figure out how to answer these questions all over again for this moment in our journey through history. Shabbat Shalom. Hi, it's Rabbi Brous again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe and please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you maybe even in person sometime soon.